doing it live on a Wednesday this week. We're we floated a little bit, haven't we, John? We do. Uh, we did a yeah. Monday. We've done a Tuesday. We've done a Wednesday. But look, it's summer, right? And so uh, you're going to get one of these every week. And and so <laughs> damn it, be happy about it um, because because that's the way we're going to go. Um, so the the thing that jumped out to me, and this is interesting because there's uh, usually the, we've been a lot very lucky. We've been in the off season for a while now, and yet there's always been some news that you could clamor onto and say that's an in- interesting topic or that isn't. And what we try to do here is obviously keep it Ohio State specific. I mean, that's that's the objective. Um, and to this point, we've been able to do that. And we'll be able to do that again today. But you're going to have to follow me with this. And this this <laughs> podcast, I don't think, will be for everybody. I'm acknowledging this will not be for everybody. But two things happened in the last 24 hours. Um, and then they came together um, via Ohio State. So. Uh, I saw Monday, I was, uh, or Tuesday, I was down taping the television show uh, that we do with Spectrum Sports, and I saw that it was 100 days to the first Ohio State football game. Um, so that, that's, that's big, 100 days. I can't believe it's that quick. Here we go. We're going to start getting into it. The Athlon magazines are out. The Street and Smith, all that. Steel, it's this Phil Steele magazines, all that stuff's out. So it's, that's kind of like, okay, it's going to start creeping up on us amazingly as we kind of just skip through summer. Uh, but then the other thing that happened today, was the season seven trailer for Game of Thrones? Yeah, there we go. Now, have you? Seen, <laughs> I need that to be waiting right <laughs> Ohio State, yeah, Ohio State. All this stuff about hundred days. I'm like, elicits no reaction for me whatsoever. <laughs> and then you mentioned right. Game of Thrones for literally two seconds. I'm like, oh god, let's go. Well, what's, what's, what's beautiful, and the reason that it allows me to get us get it into this podcast, is because <laughs> Ohio State football put together a hype video using the beginning of the Game of Thrones season seven trailer, which was released today. Yeah, which I'm sure they were just, you know, like just salivating over. How about, how, first of all, how quick are they? Like, <laughs> I think this is all Pantone's people, but like yeah. the Game of Thrones trailer drops sometime mid-morning, I think. Um, so it drops sometime mid-morning. <clears throat> and by, uh, I don't know, early this evening, we have Ohio State synced up to it. Yeah. <laughs> like that quickly. <laughs> they had it ready to roll. Yeah, they had the graphics ready. Uh, they had the whole thing ready to roll. So I tip my hat to them on that. But then I started to dig a little deeper. And for full disclosure, you are not. I am a Game of Thrones television fan. Sure. Um, I wasn't even aware of the books. And I know that breaks your heart, but I was not even <laughs> aware of the books. Um, I my general rule of thumb since The Wire and The and Sopranos and Deadwood and all these shows is if anything comes on HBO, I give it a shot. Right. Um. And I heard that Sean Bean was in this thing and it was a medieval, you know, knights and swords and stuff. And that's always appealed to me. Um, and so I, I said, oh, you know, I'll give this thing a shot. And I was immediately hooked. And I've watched, you know, I've, I've watched the whole se- series through probably two or three times at least. And I've obviously I watch it. It's, it's, it's one of my oldest credos, which is the only things that you cannot DVR is Game of Thrones and live sports. That's it. Uh, <laughs> because it will get ruined for you if you, if you dare DVR it. Um, yeah. So what's interesting to me, and, and again, you are a book reader, but what's interesting to me, because I want to dive into this a little bit, is Ohio State is using the Game of Thrones trailer today as a hype video, and it's the voice of Cersei Lannister. And they edit it, <laughs> they edit it from the perspective of Ohio State is Cersei Lannister. Right. Ohio State is the Lannisters. Right. And what's we probably are. Eh, we probably are the Lannisters. That's probably, that's probably exactly 
who we should be. Uh, yeah. you know, we always pay our debts. We're, we're the fair haired king. And, and so all of those things make some sense. Um, but it was, it struck me because they chose Cersei Lannister's <laughs> voice. Enemies to the east, enemies to the west, enemies to the north, enemies to the south. We will conquer them all. And I'm thinking, yeah. oh God, it's not a good well, omen. You don't want to be, you don't want to be the Lannisters. You want to be, you want to be the Starks, obviously. I mean, that those are the, those okay. are the comeback kids. Those are the guys who are going to be, you know, <laughs> movers and shakers and, and kind of, you know, standing tall at the end of all this. But as far as, you know, I think if you're making one-to-one comparisons, I think Ohio State does definitely align with the Lannisters in terms of like the cash, the influence, and the style yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. It's 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 kind of weird because you know a lot of the characters in Game of Thrones and the, and the series and the books are based off of real people. I mean, obviously they're they're amalgamations of real people, and they're they're certainly not one-to-one similarities. Yeah. Uh, but one of the examples uh, that I think a lot of people give is like the War of the Roses is is basically considered to be uh, the template for what George R. R. Martin did with uh, the stuff between the Lannisters and the Starks. And there's a lot of other like historical similarities. So I think when people go like, oh, why are you comparing like, you know, real life stuff to the that's that's what that's how literature and how other things are created. Like you, you right. use real life inspiration. So I think it's kind of interesting to see like the personality similarities. Um, I think Michigan could easily be the uh, Baratheons. Uh, well, you just <laughs> or... you just hit it though. What What's interesting though is when you were describing what you said right <clears throat> as you led this off. So who you want to be is the Starks because they're the comeback kids. Right, exactly. And yeah. In the in the trailer, in the teaser trailer, Ohio State mashed up. They use this this. Of course, Michigan is, is the enemy from the north. Yeah, I don't and know so why you do the Starks. that. Like... They are the so it's like i almost feel like they wanted to use game of thrones because they knew it was cool and everybody be jacked up about it but whoever put it together was not aware of the backstory of these families right. like they just thought oh it'll be it'll be badass to have uh cersei lannister talk or you know this voice and it's game of thrones how cool we'll mash it all up without the context of well wait a second we who we really want to be is the starks yeah you don't want to be michigan the starks Right. It's like somebody watching, I don't know, like the first season or something go, this Theon guy really has it together. You know, he's a cool dude. I bet let's let's hitch our wagon to him and see what happens with him in terms of his story because I'm sure everything turns out great for such a clever, <laughs> smart dude. Right. Um yeah, I know. You got you got to know your source material. And maybe that's a function of like trying to put that stuff out in like 10 seconds. Uh yeah. but yeah, I mean, you know, and and to be like to be honest, I don't know. Uh, you want to be like the Starks. I I could dive real deep into some of this stuff, um, especially like comparing, you know, like the Big Ten to Game of Thrones and all that kind of stuff. Like I always think about instead of thinking about who the big movers and shakers are, I always try to compare like the little toady guys to the other little toady. Guys. Like who are the Freys? You know what I mean? Who's well, Walter, Walter Frey? Is Who's Iowa. Walter Frey? Like Iowa. yeah, just basically controlling a critical bridge and just being a huge yeah. douche for his entire life. Like Kirk Ferentz is Walter Frey. Isn't he? Isn't Kirk Ferentz Walter Frey? Oh yeah, no, he's one hundred percent Walter Frey. No, absolutely, yeah, yeah because <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's one hundred percent. That is a one to one analog. I, I don't think that you even have to think to to make that comparison. That's perfect. Right. Wealthy, everybody hates him, but you have to kind of show deference for no real reason and just like put up with it for ninety yeah. plus years. Um. So yeah, I just I I don't know. I, I think it's cool. I think they like the imagery. I think they they hitched their uh. They they hitched themselves to the wrong horse. Let me put it that way. Because when, yeah, when these Dothraki guys come in 
and just burn down the Red Keep and everybody inside. Uh, I don't know yeah. that's going to look too great for the Ohio State <laughs> production team when they're trying to salvage that one. Which it won't no, matter. They won't no. care. They'll just say, now we're the door and, and to be fair, if you want a historical analog, Ohio State is the Mongol horde, right? Like, that's basically right. what Ohio State fans and Ohio State in general, like, just conquer, 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 burn, pillage, right. whatever. And, of course, the Dothraki, I mean, they're, that, the Mongols are essentially their analog historically. So I think that What's actually would be a little better. What's the geography for me on where uh, Danny is in relationship to King's Landing? So Danny is, is just hitting up uh, Dragonstone, which is a little bit north of King's Landing. And Dragonstone okay. is the traditional like home of the Targaryen like empire right. and where they had, you know, where they had all their dragons and stuff. So it's kind Isn't of that where uh, Stannis was chilling? Yeah, that was Stannis' original uh like base. He was given that by Robert his brother uh after okay. Robert overthrew the Targaryens and it was seen as like I don't know, it was supposed to be a compliment maybe to Stannis or maybe even possibly an insult because he didn't get King's Landing, some of these other places. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where Stannis was chilling. And then he, he did his whole thing. So yeah, I'm kind of interested yeah. what uh, Melisandre is going to be doing in this next season, honestly, because they, they have like a lot of pensive shots of her in the trailer, just doing basically nothing. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to yeah. see, but she still has a pretty key role to play probably. Yeah. As this, as this continues on, <clears throat> Um, I got to be honest with you. Um, this isn't going to make people probably lot, probably aren't going to love me, but I'm more uh, excited for that 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 seven sixteen or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Like I'll be more keyed up for that than than damn near any football game I see all fall. <laughs> I mean, truly, truly. I mean, I, I, no, that's fair. I, I mean, it's it's I mean, going to be nuts. I'm, there will be more football seasons, you know? right? But we're to the end of the road. I mean, we've got two seasons left of this thing, and they're short seasons, right? Um, so I'm going to be pretty keyed in from here, uh, from here through it. And well, at, at 10 o'clock on set on Friday, on Sunday night, forget it. I want to tell you something as a, a book reader, I, I'm going to tell you something. You, you definitely chose wisely and not deciding to just go after all the books. George R. R. Martin is never finishing this freaking series. Like it's not happening. Like, so tell the people who only watch the show, because I'm most of the people who listen to this, I bet you most of them watch the show. Yeah, uh, probably a, a smaller. So give, give the backstory on this. So basically what has happened oh, sure. to this show, this guy has, this guy write, writes these epics. HBO yeah. says, boy, these would make great television shows. Correct. Stop me when I say something incorrect. And yeah. our HBO starts, you know, pummeling out episodes and seasons mm-hmm. and at a rapid pace, at a normal television pace. Yeah. In the meantime, the man who has written all this stuff hasn't, when's the last time he published one of these? 2012 uh, was when A Dance with Dragons came out. So this right now is officially the longest wait between books um, that the series has had. And so okay, a little so bit of background. The dance with, in terms of the television show, where's The Dance with Dragons in relationship to where we are on the TV? I want to say like that came out in like the... Oh, are you talking about like plotline wise? Because we're way yeah. past Dance with Dragons. Like I said, every published material that has been put out there, we've gone past. Like that's it. So everything that's so new now, to you is new have, to me. Do you have any regret about that no i mean i so i mean the books are the plot lines are obviously very similar and kind of the same and i feel like there are going to be some changes from the books to the show just because of you know how he tends to plot things out just a real quick background he wrote the first uh book he actually pitched this to whatever publisher he works with in the mid 90s and the he had a plot sketch that he was going to he gave them 
And he has more or less fo- followed that with, with some pretty big changes, but for the most part, he's kind of followed it. But he only intended mm-hmm. to be a three-book series, and he published the first one and the second one and the third one within relatively quick succession of each other. Uh, like, I think maybe within a year and a half of each other, you know, every time he published one. And then what happened was is that he got this huge, like, problem with his plotting. And uh, he spent, I think, like four years trying to write the fourth book. And what he ended up doing is that he publishes the fourth book of Feast for Crows, uh, basically only containing half the plot that he had intended to write in the fourth book, then waited another, like, several years, like four years or so, to publish Mm -hmm. the fifth book, A Dance with Dragons. But what's funny is in the afterword of the fourth book, he literally goes like, well, what about John? What about Danny? I hear you asking, because they're not in that book. And he's like, don't worry, the next book's coming out next year. Hey, surprise, it's a full-length book, yay! And then all the fans were like, cool, whole full-length book in just a year. And then, of course, they waited four years to finally get it. And now we've waited five years after that book, and so everybody's just losing their minds. Um, I I expect he'll probably get it done the next, like, year. Um, But, yeah, he's not, like, he said that there's only going to be one more book after the coming one. I don't think that's going to happen i am not yeah. well because optimistic. his age is is <clears throat> elevated is it not it is he's getting into his 70s and he like he said that the older he gets the slower he writes he's also like split between a thousand other things and here's what blows people's minds and i think what makes people who read the book really aggravated he had he doesn't just write the book i mean he writes and edits all kinds of different things uh but probably the most insane thing about all of this is that he has literally four five six thousand pages of supplementary material related to the game of thrones series that he just doesn't use like it's it's all background information that he just doesn't like (laughs) he doesn't publish it's for his own purposes that almost doesn't even surprise me because when you're watching the show that's how it feels right that's how it feels because the backstories for every character and there are hundreds and hundreds and their families I mean, right. you hear, you know, you'll hear a point reference to some family who was, you know, of the first men or whatever. And you're going, well, somebody had to think of that. Right. You know, someone <laughs> had to write that down and say, that's, that's where this all, you know. So, yeah, it's fascinating. It's fantastic. And it's a, um, it's a, uh, it was an interesting play because it seemed like something <laughs> where we want to be associated with something cool. And the timing of it was great. And it's really cool. Like, it'll get you jacked up. Yeah. But at the same time, like the... <laughs> <laughs> the idea yeah. of us being would Danny's Lannister. dragons burn like down the Lannisters and just like you know, right. roast everybody on a spit? I, I think they're going to reconsider who they decide. Don't wanna to re- they'll want to think that through. I think yeah. it's funny because to me, like she's at a point now, and we're I'm going way off the deep end on this, but she's at a point now where to me it's almost like Batman versus Superman. Like I would say to myself, <laughs> what's the point? Like right. can't how's that even a fair? That's not a fair fight. No. Like she has three full grown dragons. She has yeah. a, a, an army of how many? 10,000 Unsullied plus all of the Dothraki? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but there's nothing. There is nothing outside of White Walkers that's going to give that a, a shot in hell. I mean, I think that's what the entire season is going to build up to is just the, the only battle that's ever really mattered. And the thing is, so the, the book is a little bit more complicated. I mean, unsurprisingly, like what, the situation where they stand now is that Danny is about to invade... Um, well, she will, I, I assume. They, they haven't really gotten to that. But she will probably invade in the next book. 
but the problem is that there's like three groups of people who are still trying to invade Westeros, and it's not just the people in the north. There's just a huge chaotic mess going on, and they haven't gotten to the point where they've resolved the stuff with Stannis or you know any of this other stuff. So I imagine that George R. R. Martin will attempt to do that in the next book, but we'll see how far he actually gets along. So yeah, it's it's because <laughs> who knows? It's great. It's great, and it's um, it, it was it was timely, and so I, I appreciate uh, whoever's still listening, indulging us to have a little chat of it because we're going to do it this summer too. I mean, oh, we, will yeah, break no, down, I, we definitely week, break down man, these. We got to have a little mini review, like yeah. of yeah, that's definitely happening. Yeah, yeah, we will dedicate some time to that. Um, so before we get to ask us anything, um, I want I have to share this story. I told you the story of my son Payton, who's uh, graduated uh, preschool today. I've mentioned this yes. before, and when we were talking about the Ohio State basketball. Uh, I was talking about how um, how they're lo- you know you lose interest you lose fandom and I've seen it up here with the Cleveland Browns where there's no kids who'll run around in Browns gear because the Browns have been bad for a long time. Right. Um, so uh, Peyton uh, was born when I was in Columbus, obviously, and I've told the story about how Ezekiel Elliott helped me potty train him, and Aaron mm-hmm. Kraft uh, would do little videos for him when he was young, and he was the biggest Aaron Kraft fan in the history of the world. He wore Buckeye stuff all the time, and he still loves Ohio State football. Um, but today at, at preschool graduation, and I was, I don't blame him. Uh, they're cool. They ask him what he wants to be. And I was so proud of him. He said, speaks very, uh, you know, plainly and strongly. And he says, I want to be a soldier in the Navy or the army. And I want to be a basketball player. And the teacher says for who? And he says for Kentucky. And I, said, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't blame him. Nice Kentucky's pretty heart. cool. Yeah, I said that's 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 you know this is where we're at. So I felt I I I recorded it and I'm gonna send it to Thad and I'm just gonna say this is what you've done. Damn it! Do you see what's happened here? Like because you have not fielded a relevant basketball team in three years. This is what's happened. The kids, you're losing the kids. You're losing the kids, man. And they lost this recruit to Florida State that they thought they had a shot in today, right? right? As I, I saw that. Yeah. So they're just gonna I mean- run it back. Yeah, I don't know what recruits they're going to get at this point. I mean, it's, you know, open gym is what I'm thinking for the summer. Just get kids in there so you can shoot the ball. Yeah, I don't, I mean, it's, it might be it's old school. It might be old school Ohio State. Like, it might just be like walk-on kids from the state of Ohio. Serious. Like, I mean, well, to your point, I mean, I just remember when I was a kid. I mean, everybody likes the, the new thing and everybody likes, you know, what's hot. And, and kids really mm-hmm. don't have a lot of sports allegiance in general. Like, I think a lot of no, people no, expect kids like, not. I can't believe you don't root for that. But, you know, in southwestern Ohio, especially, you know, there are all kinds of kids who liked Michigan because Michigan was good in the 90s. And there are a lot of kids who liked, you know, the Cowboys because the Cowboys, you know, won all the Super Bowls and all that crap. And they're, you know, I remember... <laughs> Uh, when they did the NBA expansion, so many kids had like Toronto Raptors gear. Like I have this unbelievably oh kick-ass Toronto Raptors hat. Yeah, you do. Uh, and that's you know, and that's just a function of of what's cool and neat. And the problem is when you lose that, it's so hard to regain it. And it like Ohio State was able to do that because you bring in a coach who runs this incredibly exciting brand of football, and he's got a name and stuff. Mm-hmm. For Ohio State basketball to do that, like you've got to you've got to come up with something really crazy because it's really hard to recapture, you know, a fleeting moment of just like, wow, this is really kick ass and exciting and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know, like, despite the fact that Ohio State had guys like Evan Turner and Solinger and all these other dudes, I don't know that they ever recaptured what they had in '06 uh, with that kind of excitement. And and it's entirely because of those guys. And it's it's you got to have maybe more than that. I think. Yeah, I remember, you know, it was a big deal. It was a big deal from probably uh, John Diebler's junior year, which would have been Evan Turner's National Player of the Year year, 
mm-hmm. from that through Sullinger's sophomore year. You felt like, and certainly Diebler's senior year and Sullinger's freshman year, you felt like they could win a national championship. Yeah. And, 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 you know, that felt realistic. Sullinger's freshman year, that was, I, you know, I know people will say 06. I, to me, that was the best team Thad ever had team wise mm-hmm. because he had these veterans. I mean, he had Buford and Lighty and Diebler and, um, it was a really and, complete draft. And, oh my gosh, they just had no holes. I mean, they had Ravenel and Lauderdale and they just, you know, they just had everything that you'd need. They could bring guys off the bench who could score. And they had, you know, a stud freshman who was a first team All-American. So they just had everything you wanted. Um, and then, um, you know, the next year was to a lesser, ex- was a, a lesser degree, even though the next year they went to the final four, it was a little bit, it, you know, it wasn't quite the same because there was something about having Diebler and, and Lighty. I mean, they just prov- made it, made it seem almost more legitimate. Plus that Kentucky team was an all-time team that had Anthony Davis and you knew that there was no way be, no one was going to beat Kentucky in 2012, yeah. not with everybody back and with Anthony Davis. The year to beat everybody was 2011, and they were put in the worst bracket. Um, but but that is a real problem because you know as we've talked about many times, it is this the way that this is going to change is in the pocketbook, and I feel like we're dead men walking on this thing anyway. But um, it's it's going to be a very depressing winter at the Schottenstein <laughs> Center, to say the least. Which is, I mean, I'm I take no pleasure in it. You know what, though? Like, here's the thing, and I, I think it's... I mean, you're absolutely right about the dead man walking part, but I still always believe that... I I think things like that are salvageable, and I don't necessarily mean that they're going to be good. They're going to be a really bad team. But mm-hmm. I was thinking about, like, with the Cavs and, and them playing right now with, with Boston. Like, Boston has no shot at winning that right. uh, that series at all in any sense of the you know, word at all. Like, they're going to get destroyed probably in the next game here. But... The thing that strikes to me is like people enjoy watching a team with fight in it. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying like, you know, the Ohio State Buckeyes next year are going to be like the Celtics and they're going to kind of piece together something that is really special for a couple games. I don't I don't see that happening. But you can at least be interesting. And yeah. I always feel that like that that opportunity is never lost to at least be a team that people want to watch. Whether they're that great or not is is not really relevant at this point. But if that Mata can at least make them watchable, you know, at least they have something that they're good at, then I think people want to watch. If it's just the slog where they're just terrible at everything and then there's long stretches of games where they decide, like, well, we're going to try to win through attrition and just, you know, maybe <laughs> have everybody take four shots for the entirety of the game. That kind of stuff is what's really going to, I think, make people mad. If they're out there just shooting it and then say, screw it, like, we're going to chuck up 33s in a game and see what happens, I'll watch that. Hell yeah, I'll watch that. That'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. what you want is effort. I mean, yeah. what, 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 in order to capture some imagination, even in a bad year, you need effort, you need give a damn, and then you right. need an exciting brand of basketball. And yeah. they can do those things. Um, it ain't going to be fun and from a wins-losses standpoint, but they can do those things. So. Anyway, so they lost a five-year-old who uh, who used to go to sleep <laughs> in his Aaron Craft jerseys and now, and now loves Kentucky. So that's I where say we're something. at. If he becomes a D1 athlete and all that other stuff, that's that stuff matters. You can be thinking back to, you know, love those <laughs> right. teams. Well, I, God, they have great uniforms. They win yeah. a lot. <laughs> God King, John Calipari. I got that's right. Yeah. Going on down right, Lexington. Buddy. Well, it's a great t- – I love the horses and I love the bourbon, so it would be a fun place for me to go visit if you did decide to go there. Um, do we have some ask us anything, my friend? We do have some ask us anything. Again, guys, if you want to ask us anything, you can uh, do so by sending us an email to uh, dubcast at 11warriors.com, or you guys can uh, hit us up on Twitter at 11dubcast. 
Um, we got a really so this is uh, this is from Sam here. We got a really interesting kind of question about uh, just I think profit and revenue generation in college mm-hmm. uh, sports in general. Um, so he asks here. He says, "Do you think only pay revenue producing? Uh, or me, do you only pay revenue producing sports primarily just men's football and basketball? So in other words, if you're going to pay yeah. a college athlete." Would it just be revenue-producing sports? And then he says, as you guys know, the revenue generated from the sports funds, uh, so many other sports and other things mm-hmm. on campus. What do you think are the long-term impacts of just paying those two sports um, if we start paying only you know, revenue-generating athletes in college? Well, right now we only pay the coaches in those two sports. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, you can figure it out. I think what I would probably do if I think probably the right way to do it would be the the sports. Um, and, and let's remember what this all set up to be, you know, like this was, you go to college and you play on the tennis team, right? Mm-hmm. The, the tennis team didn't have to be, you know, a precursor to, to playing at Wimbledon. Right. It was something you did while you were in college. Right. right. Um, and so um, that, that, that was what, it, that's, that's how this was set up. That intercollegiate athletics was set up that way. And I'm fine with it going back to that way. Um, so what you, what I would do is I would say that the, you have two revenue producers, football and men's basketball, that's it. And what you do with those two is you privatize those two. So that's a private and Florida actually has a private athletic department. Um, and they jump out to me and I, I, maybe that's a precursor for where we're headed, but, um, a private, you, you, you privatize football and men's basketball and you run it like a business. They already are. They're paying every they're, everybody's acting that way except for the players on right. football and men's basketball. Um, and then the rest, maybe take a step back. And maybe the idea of being a, I don't know, a track and field athlete at Ohio State doesn't mean that you have uh, training year round. And it doesn't mean that you have training table. And it doesn't mean that you're treated like a world-class Olympic athlete. Maybe that's what it means. I don't know. Um, but I know that the, the way it was set up was for the for for all of it to be student athletes. Now we're never going to get back to student athlete on men's basketball or football. There's too much money in it. Um, right. But those kids should be compensated too. If if Nick Saban can make eleven and a half million, or Urban can make seven or eight million, and Harbaugh can make ten, then these kids deserve to make some money. Um, well, so so the second thing that, that that's, Sam, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, that, that that's really kind of where I sit on it. So the second thing that Sam brought up here though was like, how do you come up with an equitable pay structure? And and what I want to talk about that would be. I, I think you can come up with creative ways for students to be able to generate their own revenue. Um, I don't think it has to be a paycheck that the school cuts them necessarily. I mean, they can like, you can start with the very basic students should be allowed to profit from their own image, right? If you tie it into the type of uh, financials that they would get simply by the sport that they play, I think that would be more equitable than nothing. And I think you can do that without saying like, all right, well, you know, there are Title IX issues that may come into play. There's some other things that we have to worry about. If you just simply allow students to make money off of what they do in general, like, I think that would be fair. Not, I wouldn't say that's necessarily enough, but I think that would be fair compensation for a lot of these guys because I think that's really what the issue is. It's not so much that, you know, they're not being treated well or things like that. It's the fact that they're doing a job. They're literally doing a job mm-hmm. that... In any other situation, they would be getting paid a lot of money for, and they're not even allowed to profit off of their efforts. And I I just, 
I feel like if people are willing to pay them $10 per autograph or something stupid like that, or, or, you know, allow them to be in a commercial and pay them, they should be able to do that. And I don't think that precludes a tennis player or a track athlete or somebody else from doing other local stuff. Um, and I think they should be able to do that as well. So I, to me, that's, I think that's the starting point, And I think you can have these conversations and figure this stuff out. But the problem is, is people use that. They go, well, you know, not everybody's going to get paid. And then they try to use that to end the conversation. And I think that's just the start of the conversation. We can come up yeah. with ways that are equitable and do make sense and don't just benefit two sports. I, I think you can absolutely do that. You just have to continue to talk about it afterwards. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, is that everybody's created equal. Right. Right. I mean, and that's, football and Ben's basketball are different. They're just different. And yeah. football, especially football's even as different as men, men's basketball is from the number three revenue producer. Football's that much different than men's basketball at Ohio state. Yeah. I mean, that's the golf, you know? So, um, but like, I, I just kind of go back, look, we pay those two coaches more than everybody else. Why can't we give those, those athletes more than everybody else? Like, I'm sorry, like life's not fair. Yeah. Um, you know, it is what it is. But I also think your point, I think you hit on something great because, um, and the, and they started to do this. They bent on those Olympic athletes where Ledecky and some of those, uh, guy, and I think Kyle too, I think they're allowed to keep some of their money that they make from the Olympics because you're incentivized financially with those. And I think they're allowed to keep that now. Yeah. Um, so that's good. That's, that's how it should be. And, and you're, I like that idea of being able to have your own, sell your likeness and get whatever somebody wants to pay you from a likeness standpoint. I think that's great. Um, you know, if Kyle Snyder could be pitching, you know, Chevrolets down there for all I care, I'm fine with yeah. it. Yeah. You know, and not getting, great. you know, defective gold medals for his <laughs> right. for time, which is all right. like, I don't, I don't know how that happens, but you go to Rio, you know, stuff. Yeah. Like well, I go, yeah. I think you just hit on it. You go to Rio. Right. Uh, Sam actually has a little bit more to this, but I'm going to, I'm going to save that one, Sam. That's our, you got a third thing there and I really appreciate you writing that, but we're going to keep that for next time. Cause I think that deserves a, a wider discussion. He talks a little bit more about like, uh, what the conferences are going to look like in the future because of mm-hmm. revenue sharing. I want to get into that a little deeper, but we can save that for next week. Um, I really appreciate him. Uh, summer, Sam. I mean, yeah, you may have given yeah, yeah. Whole, that's a whole topic. That's right. We'll These are it. lean times. We gotta, we gotta do what yeah. we can do. It's an easy 30 minutes on that. There you go. Um, okay, so this is from uh, Kai's. He says, hey, guys, I've got an off-season question for you. If Columbus were to get an NFL, NBA, and MLB teams, uh, ignoring the possible oversaturation of the sports market, what would be some possible names that truly embody the city, throw in some color schemes while we're at it? You know what I think is the coolest thing in, in sports? It's not going to be real popular here. But the coolest <laughs> okay. thing in sports, I think, is uh, that the city of Pittsburgh, they all have the same colors. Oh yeah, no, I actually no, I, I think that's kind of great. I do kind of like that. Yeah, I think it's badass. I think it's great. So I think that one thing that I didn't know about Columbus till I moved there, uh, but I but that I and I didn't realize because the way that the NHL team was launched mm-hmm. with that ridiculous Stinger mascot is the tie <laughs> to the Civil War and to yes. the Union Army, right? And um and you know from generals to all of it, and this is right in your wheelhouse, obviously. But mm-hmm. um, I I would love to see um. If that were to happen, I would like to see homage paid along that lines. And I think that you could even become even more identified with some of those things. Um, 100,000% of color scheme going across all the teams, you know, like keep uh, a little less red, maybe, but more of that old blue. Like I love the Blue Jackets third jerseys, which is like the old blue, like the Union blue. Oh, yeah. Those are incredible. Like those are just beautiful. Um, So I'd like, you know, push those through the uniform schemes and and go from there. but. I think there's all sorts of 
there's all sorts of great things you could draw from, but I, I do like that. I would like, I would think that would be my jumping off point. I think one of the things you can judge a society uh, based on is, is what they choose to memorialize. And I would love if Ohio as a state and as a community and, and just people in here, <laughs> if that were the banner that we took up, which is our role in the civil war and how important the state was to the civil war. Um, I mean, obviously, for personal reasons, I would really like it. Yeah. But you also, I mean, the state has one of the most important roles in defeating slavery, the scourge of slavery, and, and you know, yeah. secession and all this other. Like, that should be something you take pride in. And I would love if that was reflected in our you know, professional sport teams. I mean, I know, I know how silly that sounds, but, man, I think that would be really kick-ass. And, you know, like NFL, NBA, there's actually one of my favorite things that I did in college. And I don't even know what started this, but I found this website that, kept a catalog of all of the uh mascots for ohio high schools and okay. one of them was uh the sherman tanks oh it's um, been out i bet, I bet yeah i've seen yeah. them in action up close yeah, and personal and, yeah and i think that's i think that's fantastic i think that's incredible yeah. so yeah any kind of civil war like you want to be we're going to be the the ulysses s grants for the major oh league baseball I mean, you know yeah, generals there's a million things you could do that would tie in wonderfully yeah um and I think conditional if, surrender, you know, all of that good stuff. Yeah, I know that. I, I think when the Blue Jackets launched, you know, I was in Florida at the time, and I really thought that it, I, I remember trying to figure out that this was before like the internet was accessible to everybody, and yeah. I didn't even know what in the hell a Blue Jacket. I thought it was a bug. I thought they <laughs> named themselves. I remember mocking it with my friends, saying they named themselves after a bug that I've yeah. never even heard of. What in the hell is this? And then you'd see the jersey, and they had this giant green thing on it, and I thought that has got to be the worst branding launch in the history of sports. <laughs> Because what it and then it's been when I moved here, it wasn't. And then, of course, I didn't pay any attention to the Blue Jackets. So I moved to Ohio. Mm-hmm. I move here and I go and I start seeing like the the, the Union Army hats. The cannon at the game. And I'm going, what is this? What does this have to do with anything? <laughs> what is the, what the hell does this have to do with anything? Right. And I start looking into it and go, oh, boy, did they blow that? Yeah. Like they, they should have been the you know, honestly, they should have been the blue coats. They mm-hmm. should have been the Union Blues. There's, they should have been union the union. Blues would have been sweet. That would have been awesome. Union Blues is a good name, right? Yeah. I mean, or just the pretty, union. That would have been awesome. The union. Yeah. Columbus Union. I mean, that would have been yeah. strong. But Blue Jacket screws the whole damn thing up because there's so many Yellow Jackets and you immediately go to that unless you're from there and it's explained to you. And here's day, here's rule number one on branding. If I have to explain to you my branding, I failed. <laughs> right? Right. I mean, it's as simple as that. And they really. <laughs> You know, I love a lot of people in that organization, and I, f- I feel like they're getting closer to where it needs to be now, and have you know since the uniform redesign. But the launch is one of the worst in the history of pro sports. Yeah, and it's you know, and I think they, like you said, they've righted the ship a little bit. But like you know, focus on the Civil War iconography, teach people some stuff, get people involved. I think that's the kind of the stuff that people would want to see if there were future teams here in Columbus, which I don't think there will ever be. But I would never. really, I think that would be great. No. Uh, next, Ohio State we- would never allow it. No, no. Uh, next one's from James. He says, has there any, has there been any opposing coach that Ohio State plays on a consistent basis since Bo Beckler that Ohio State fans have universally respected as much as Tom Izzo? Uh, he said, maybe Lloyd Carr, but is there too much 90s hate? Not Lloyd well, Carr. Carr. No, I do not think Lloyd Carr was super well-respected by Ohio State fans. No, I think Izzo's pretty well-universally respected isn't he i mean he's yeah. the guy yeah i'm no, trying to i can't i mean i know he referenced that in the question i can't think of anybody from the football perspective i think D- dino yeah i think you can say antonio is in that boat 
I think if he, I think if he pulls off another win or two against Urban Meyer, then one hundred percent, D'Antoni. He's already yeah, taken two national championships from him. Right. Yeah, I, mean, I would say D'Antoni is two. I would say Dino is universally respected, and I didn't see that coming. And I think a big part of it is you have to like, I mean, Izzo aside, because everybody just loves Izzo because he's a great guy. But uh, it helps if you have some kind of Ohio State connection. You know what I mean? Because then it seems acceptable to kind of like nod right. and go like, all right, all right. You know, with with D'Antonio, it's like, okay, but he's one of ours. So that's why he's so good. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. I think that helps. Yeah, um, I think Dean is the correct answer on that. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I I think if Harbaugh ends up taking a few you know, one or two from Urban. I think maybe people go just because he's so freaking entertaining. But yeah, I, I know a lot of people. Him. Well, here's the thing I'll say about Harbaugh. Maybe this is a topic for another day. But I really feel that the people who like quote unquote hate the guy are are reaching so hard to try to hate him because he's just from Michigan, so we got to hate him. Like I don't know how you really objectively hate a guy who you know meets the Pope, gives him Michigan gear, and then bursts a calf like two weeks after that. <laughs> like it's really I amazing. I don't know how you hate somebody like that. Like, I understand how you'd be like, oh, I want to beat Michigan. I hate Michigan. Fine. That's great. But I don't understand yeah. how you hate the person of Jim Harbaugh just being yeah, who can. he is. I'm with um, you. you can't. No. So, okay. So this is, uh, this is uh, from Nick. He says, my wife and I live near Seattle and are planning a Memorial Day road tip, trip Excuse me, to uh, Missoula, Montana. Uh, we have an wow. Airbnb. Yeah, see, this is very specific. I'm glad, you know, I'm glad we're getting to these. Uh, oh. We have an Airbnb near the University of Montana campus, and we'll be there for three days. Uh, we've read a lot of great things about the town and are excited to explore the area. Uh, I know you're a Montana native and would love mm-hmm. your expert opinion on what we should see, do, eat, and drink while we're there. Missoula is um, is a fantastic place. It is, um, it's the, it's, I think, the most fun little town in Montana. Well, for Montana, it's a big town. Um, I think you got to go to the Iron Horse and have a few cocktails. Uh, mm-hmm. I would. There's a place called Stocks where it's, I haven't been there in t- almost 18 years or so, but they used to deal live cards in the back, which was great. That's <laughs> awesome. Stock Stockmans. Um, I would say you should uh, you should do the hike up to the M on the side of Mount Sentinel. Um, you should pro if you're into. Uh, it's got a great frisbee golf course. Um, up there in the Rattlesnake Canyon, that's fantastic. The Clark Fork River goes right through the town. It's just beautiful, and um, boy, there's a lot of good stuff to do there. Depends on you know if you're outdoorsy and stuff. But if you're the cool thing about Missoula is if you're near campus and you're near downtown, um, there's all sorts of great restaurants and stuff to do right around there. And then you're in the middle of the Rocky Mountains, so um, it's pretty good. It's a good time. You'll, they'll enjoy it a great deal. But I would. I used to drink a lot at the Iron Horse and have 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 a few uh, have a few meals there. Yeah, that's that. I I mean, I gotta tell you something, man. I was doing some uh, when I get distracted, I go on Google Maps, right, and I mm-hmm. do the the street view and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. I just could not pry myself away from the Montana, Wyoming, Idaho area, just Oof. like the the area around it, and how beautiful it is. Yeah. Um, I was well, like, DJ went to DJ went to the University of Montana for a year. Yeah, briefly. Yeah, he was he was out there. He he really enjoyed it. He thought it was great. Um, yeah, you'd flourish there. Yeah, I've got a couple of friends you who really went there. They really liked it. Did um, you do the biking and all that stuff? Like you'd crush it. Yeah, yeah. I oh I mean, man. We, so my my fiance and I uh, when we went up to Canada last year and we were in Algonquin um, Provincial Park. We mm-hmm. rode. We actually rented some bikes, and we did about a twenty-mile bike ride, and it it was just, yeah. oh my God, it was fantastic. It was really. Yeah. I mean, we got to eat. Yeah, a that's lot what the fun. West. 
that's what the <laughs> that's what the West is like. And there's parts of Ohio like that too. But you really can just go wherever you want. I mean, it's yeah. just so it's it's pretty good. How about yeah. that? A Montana question on Ask Us Anything. I know. I, that's, that's off season. Ask Us Anything is the best kind of ask. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's my first year through it. All right, we've got time maybe for one more. Do you have any more? Yeah, one tell you more? what. Let's. We've got a bunch more here, but we're gonna save. We'll save a couple for next time. Let's do. Uh, okay. Let's see. Let me look at the next one here. Okay, tell you what, we'll we'll save the next two. But let's just do one more here. And, and guys, if we didn't get to yours, we I promise we will do it next week. And I really appreciate you guys writing in because these are fantastic questions. Um, all right, so here we go. So this is from Jake, and he says, "My wife and I are going to Charleston, South Carolina, for the first time, or excuse me, for the first time for our anniversary this weekend. So congratulations to Jake. Mm-hmm. Uh, should I wear my Eleven Warriors General Sherman shirt around, especially no. to go to Fort Sumter? I really want to, but I also don't want to pick a fight with a Confederate sympathizer and ruin our anniversary weekend. You could, uh, what do you guys think? Well, you're the Civil War historian, but my general inclination on this would be you could wear it to Fort Sumter, and then that's it. <laughs> like, I wherever- think you risk. I, I will tell you something. Fort Sumter is. Uh, I, I've read articles about this. It's very, very interesting how. Civil War monuments are portrayed in the North and versus in the South. And, and granted, the vast, vast majority of Civil War uh, recognition and memory and all that other stuff is in the South because most of the war was fought in the South. Um, but Fort Sumter especially was a very revisionist, um, I don't ahistorical really kind of place for a very long time. And, and there's been a massive effort to make a lot of the monuments and, and places of visit in the South for the civil war more aligned to actual historical facts rather than Southern revisionism, which there is a mm-hmm. ton of in the South. Uh, mm-hmm. But I will tell you that for people who are Confederate sympathizers, who still want to call it the war between the States, who still believe that it wasn't about slavery, even though of course it 100% was, uh, Fort Sumter is like their Mecca because that's where the war started. And granted, I will, I will argue that the war didn't really start there. I think it started in the forts and the, the military depots where the South seized, uh, before, you know, they even attacked, you know, anything. Um, but if you, <laughs> I want to tell you something, yeah. you wear that general Sherman shirt, you are risking an argument and possibly a punch in the face. I say go yeah. for it, frankly. Oof. Uh, but <laughs> I guess it depends on what type of shape he's in or how you know what type of antagonist yeah. he wants to be i i would just say like if you're going down there he didn't he say he's going down there with his fiance or wife or girlfriend yeah yeah that's that's dangerous yeah, don't, you know it's just you and her like right you know you, it's you and her you're on their territory i just i don't know i mean i it would be cool to like maybe what you do is you you have like a backpack or something and you you put it in the backpack and you take it out for like a picture at fort sumner mm-hmm. you could do that right <laughs> but like i wouldn't wear it on the streets you know charleston by the way eat it husk it's fantastic um yeah. hey real quick before we go i want to because of your historical perspective what do you think of new orleans taking down all the civil war stuff oh i think they it's it's long overdue here's the thing about that I, a lot of people i think mistake uh when when they hear about this controversy they mistake this for being like well people trying to remove history or not wanting to talk about history a lot of these monuments were not put up in the aftermath of the civil war or as a recognition of what happened they were put up in protest of the civil rights movement and the federal government telling them that they couldn't segregate black and white people anymore like for instance stone mountain in georgia right that was finished in the 1970s like the confederate flag wasn't flown over state capitals until the 1950s and 60s it has nothing to do with trying to remember what happened in the civil war and everything to do with trying to relive segregationism and all this other stuff and it's it's that's the thing because the conversation really gets framed as we're trying to ignore history and like as a guy who loves history i have no problem with those coming down yeah 
Very interesting. I thought you'd have. I, I figured you'd have a, a, an educated take on that. <laughs> I have many takes. On that. Well, no, but I it's it's in. You, I learned something. So look what you got on this podcast, kids. You got Game of Thrones. Uh, you got a little Civil War history lesson, and you got a uh, where to eat and drink and have a good time in Missoula, Montana. So I don't yeah. know whether podcasts can offer all that. Uh, we'll be back with uh, next week for more fun and frivolity, and we will have more ask us anything because damn it, it's the summer. Yeah, that was a fun one. I appreciate it. Please come back. Keep asking the questions, and uh, we'll keep uh, answering them. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you next week. Yep. Talk to you next week.